your hands right where you are. All across this room, Lord, we surrender to you. Just go ahead. Maybe you're one of these people. Make yourself one of these people today. Stick them up high, Lord. We surrender to you. Lord, we want everything that you have for us, and we want nothing that you don't want for us. Out of your own mouth, just say, Lord, I surrender to you. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in my life. Lord, help us to recognize the traditions and religious things that we do just just out of habit, out of routine. Lord, help us to have a fresh perspective in this year for what you want to do in us and through us. I was thinking about the story of of the prophet and he's traveling through town and this wealthy woman, she she makes a space for him. She, She said, hey, you're coming through town every week. You should stop and let's eat. If you're gonna be here, let's hang out. Let's have some food. And it said that every time he'd come through town, she would provide a meal for him and then he left and she went to her husband and she said, shouldn't we just make a, can we just make a room for him where he could stay a little bit longer? He keeps stopping in and eating, but man, it'd be nice if he could stay a little bit longer. We should make a, make a room for him. And the Bible says that she made room for him. And it wasn't very long after he grabbed his servant Gehazi and he said, what is it that that woman needs? What does she have need of? And he said, well, she doesn't have a child. And he said, tell her. In nine months, she could have a baby. And she came and she was angry. She said, don't you promise me something you can't do. Don't you lie to me again. She had been disappointed before. I would would think that she probably had a miscarriage before. And she had given up on that. And he said, in nine months. And the Bible says that she gave birth to a little boy nine months later. Let me say this to you. When, When you make room for the Holy Spirit in your life and make room for Him, in your life and in your family. Man, he'll provide things that you didn't even ask him for, the innermost desires of your heart, the things that nobody knows about, the things that you've cried about, the things you've prayed about. That's how awesome of a God he is. When he shows up, he brings the desires that you have. The beginning of this year, if you're a guest with us, we are... We're day 15, day 16, I lose count of our 21-day fast, and we're, we're fasting, and we're praying, and we have been for the last few weeks. This is our final stretch here this week, and the purpose of the fast was to pray and to make some room, to make some room in our life for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to show us some things, to give us some, some unction and direction for the year, and I, I got to be honest with you, sometimes this 21-day fast, this is Stephanie and I's this is our 11th year. We've been married 10, and this is our 11th year to fast. You don't need to clap for me. It's, I, I, I don't like it. I don't like fasting. You don't either, so don't act like you're smarter than I am. Nobody likes turning down their flesh. Nobody likes turning off TV and turning off the food. Nobody likes going to the cupboard 10 times during the day, open it up to see what's in there, and then remind yourself, oh, yeah, I can't eat any of that stuff that's in there. So frustrating. But if we're going to get something we've never had before, we have to do something we've never done before. 
I, I set out, I set out at the beginning of the year, Beto, to, to find a challenge that would be difficult for me, like something that would test me. You know, I, I heard a quote, and I'm going to mess it up, but they, the guy said, you'll never know your true capacity until you put yourself to your limits. You'll never know what you're capable of until you step in and say, I'm going for it. And you just make a contract with yourself. I'm doing this. So I did something very non-spiritual. I've been influenced by Instagram. You ever see something on Instagram and you're like, oh, I need to do that. Yeah, you did. Oh, you need to buy that. I meet people all the time. I'm like, where'd you get that gadget? You're like, you won't believe it. I saw it on Instagram. Isn't it the greatest thing? We're all being influenced. And I've been watching these guys getting these, 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 these Kohler plunge tubs. Y'all seen that? These ice baths. And so on January 1st, I went upstairs early in the morning. I got up early, 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 set my alarm for five and got up early and went downstairs and prayed. Spent some time before my crazy kids tore our house apart. And then I went upstairs and we have this huge jacuzzi tub in our bathroom and I filled it up with ice cold water. Yeah, crazy. And then I got in that thing and man, it was a minute and a half of huffing and puffing. <laughs> My wife said, stop moving around. You're splashing water all over the bathroom. I mean, I couldn't sit still. It was so cold. I made a decision. I'm going to do something this year that makes me uncomfortable. I am going to make room in my life to grow and stretch and to evolve and to mature. Today's, today's day 22 of my ice bath, 22 days. Yesterday I went for seven minutes. I couldn't believe it. Let me say it this way. You'll never know your capacity with God and how much he wants to move in until you set a rhythm and invite him in. And say, Lord, every morning at this time, come on in. Every evening at this time, have your way. I'm making room for you because I want to go somewhere that I only dreamed about. I want to go somewhere that I've only prayed about. What area in your life and in your relationship with God do you need to stretch yourself? As a church, we're in a stretching season. And today we're shifting some things, even with the format of how we do the service. Let me say it this way. There's no format on how to do a service. You just do whatever he wants you to do. And that's, that's the format. And I've told the worship team, we've been talking about this. I, I'd rather you go a little bit longer than shorter. There's something on the worship team right now. I'll give you 10 more minutes in the service. I don't think anybody's going to leave because we went 10 minutes longer than we normally do. If you do, then there's plenty of churches that watch a clock. I just want you to know, we're, we're making some room here at International Family Church. We're making some room here. Holy Spirit, come have your way. Come do what you want to do in us and through us. Father God, we lift our hands one more time. We surrender to you. Help us to break down religious mindsets traditional barriers of how we've done church and how we've walked with you in the past. Help us to get beyond yesterday's manna and yesterday's formula. Lord, we want fresh bread from heaven every single day of our life. And you can bring it however you want. You can use whatever delivery method you need. 
I guess we're surrender to you. We're taking time to pause and invite you into this place. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit, the one who gives me power. Come on now, don't get weak. The one who gives me power. Say, I recognize my power comes from his power. I make room for him so I could do more for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You could be seated right where you are. Thanks for being with us today. I want to look at Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to jump right here. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5 and 6. Some of y'all are going to have to start coming to first service. If you don't have kids or youth, I'm going to ask you, would you pray about coming to first service? We can make room. We're out of room today. We're out of room in our classrooms. If you're, if you're, if you're single or you don't have children and you can come to first service, I'd ask you, would you make some room in this service because this is where our guests are going to come. We have student ministry and junior high ministry during the service. We're seeing a lot more kids come, which means parents are bringing them. But if you have the ability to to switch and come to first service, I'd, I'd ask you to do that. Prayerfully consider that. We've got plenty of room in first service. We want to make room for all those that want to be here. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I love this out of the Amplified Classic. He says, lean on. Everybody say, lean on. Lean on, lean on trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your mind. And do not, everybody say, do not. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge Him. Three things we're going to talk about. Knowing Him, recognizing Him, and acknowledging Him. And then He will direct and make straight and plain your path. The Scripture has been kind of my verse for the prayer and fasting of Lord, I, I want to know you more. I want to recognize you more, and I, I acknowledge you more. I understand that as a country bumpkin from Alabama, my insight is limited. I don't know about you, but does ever, the devil ever remind you of where you came from? And all the time, I, I get bombarded with thoughts of, what are you doing pastoring this church? You don't have the qualifications. You're just from Alabama, man. You don't have, what insight do you have to this? And I said, well, hey, dumb devil, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm leaning in. I'm confident in. I put my whole heart and my mind in you. I don't know if you know this, but when you graduate high school in the state of Alabama, you could take your, your diploma and you could put it on the dashboard of your car. And then anywhere you go, you can park in handicapped parking. says you've achieved a level of excellence and most haven't. I feel that way sometimes. Like, man, I know where I came from and Lord, I know where you're calling me to. And he says, Josh, it's not about your qualifications. If you lean in, you'll trust in. I'll give you insight that you never had. My wife writes notes to me on my mirror. 
This is a great practice for some of you wives because your husband deals with self-esteem issues and he second questions himself all the time. And she writes love notes on our mirror all the time. And the one recently it said, you, uh, you have insight and wisdom beyond your years. You got this. If your wife isn't that smart, let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit singing that over you today. You have insight and wisdom beyond your years, beyond your education, beyond your background. When you lean into Him. Psalms 46.10 says, If just be still long enough, I'll show you some things. I'm God. And every day matters. We have to recognize Him. What does it mean to recognize somebody? It means to understand you're not alone. I came in the house with groceries the other day. My wife was standing there right on the other side of the door. She says she was cleaning, but I think she just wanted to scare me. And then when I walked in, she said, hey. And I was like, wow, don't do that junk to me. Don't do that junk to me. In a moment, I recognized I ain't there by myself. You need to recognize today you're not in this life alone. He's there whether you see him or not. He's walking with you in the season whether you recognize him. And what he's saying here in Proverbs is get to know him for the inside and then recognize him. Do you, do you recognize his voice and then acknowledge him? When I'm with people that are above my standard, Smarter than me, better looking than me. I always introduce them. I acknowledge them. Hey, this is my wife. She's the better looking part of our family. When I'm with people that have more class and more clout, I always introduce them. Hey, these are my friends. This is so-and-so. I want people to recognize that I recognize them. What do we do and how do we recognize God? We recognize him by allowing him to speak. So you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they constantly talk? And you're like, I got something to say, but they just keep talking over you. If you don't, maybe you're that person. We all have relationships where, where they talk, 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 talk. And at the end, it's 30 minutes and, and you're like, man, where'd the time go? I know exactly where it went. You wouldn't shut up. I wonder if that's how God feels. Man, when we're in his presence, and I'm, I'm not against bringing requests to him. I think we should. But if all your time is making requests, you're not giving him the ability to request something of you. To ask you to do something, to speak for him, to, to be something, to be somebody, to give him the opportunity to use you. What am I talking about? I'm talking about being led by the Spirit of God. When you know him more, you grow in your faith. When you recognize him, you're, you're, you're fully aware that you're not alone. And when you acknowledge him and shut up long enough and listen, he will speak to you. You know, as a kid, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and they, they used to call this learning to yield to the Holy Spirit. Learning to yield to the Holy Spirit. It's 21 days, that's exactly what we're doing you don't know why you're fasting, we're, we're fasting so we can yield to Him. So we can know Him during the season. So we can allow Him to speak. Yield means to surrender or relinquish to the physical control of another. Or it means to hand something back over that you possessed. It means to relinquish one's possessions or something such as a position or of an advantage of a point of superiority. It's basically when you yield to something, you're saying, hey, uh, you need to be at this because I'm just down here. 
Paul said, I, I must decrease so you can increase. I'm yielding to you, Lord. It's 21 days, it's for us yielding. Why? Why? Here's, here's why in Isaiah 55, it's so clear. Because he says, hey guys, my thoughts, are, they're, they're not the way you think. Neither are your ways um, the way that I would go or do it. For the heavens, man, I'm so up here and you're so down there. Higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, man, they're higher than your thoughts. Why should we yield to him? His ways are greater than our ways. His master plan for our life is greater than any strategy we could put together for ourselves. The way that he thinks about things and see things is from an eternal divine perspective. Looking from the beginning to the end, he knows no time. We sang about it Friday night. He's the alpha and the omega. Me and you, we live by a clock. 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year, 10 years in a decade, 100 years in a... We're bound by it naturally, but when we connect with Him and we make way from Him, guess what? We become limitless because He can give us insight about things that have come that we don't know about and things that are coming that we should prepare ourselves for. When we yield to him, we're slowing down to ask, Lord, what, what, what do you think about this? What, 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 which way would you go? Lord, is this the right time? Lord, are these the right people? Lord, is, is, is he the right one? I hear this from single people all the time. He's the one. He's the dude. He's the man. They start talking in big Lebowski terms, you know. The dude, he abides. Only a few of you will get that. It's all right. I get it. Here's the question you don't need to ask yourself and everybody around you. Is he the one? You need to yield that relationship to him and say, Holy Spirit, is he the one? People ask me, ladies ask me, hey, pastor, is he the one for me? I said, let me ask you one question. Does he have a job? No, no, he's not working right now. He ain't the one. He ain't the one. You ain't got to pray about that one. Pastor, is she the one? She's so good looking. She's beautiful. Well, does she have a relationship with the Lord? You know, um, she's really not into the church thing. She ain't the one. She ain't the one. But so many young people dive into relationships based on what they need or what they want or what they see on the surface, and they never yield and ask him, is she the one? Is he the one? How about our business people? We dive into business adventures because it all looks good on paper, and then we sign the deal only to find out there's a bunch of stuff they didn't tell you. We need to yield to him. Yield to him in our business endeavors. Every contract that comes through, just because it looks like you're going to make money, doesn't mean it's the right contract for you. That might be the worst contract you ever signed. Financially, yeah, it's a ton. But what you just signed away is three years of miserable working with these crazy people. And the Lord's going to say, pass on that one. I got five more easy deals. Hear me, folks. That'll make up the difference, and it'll be like gravy. It'll be easy, smooth. When we yield to him, 
He directs our path. What about our kids? Yield where your kids are going and doing to the Holy Spirit. Should they be going to those neighbors' houses? Should I let them go to the sleepover? Well, everybody's going to the sleepover. Hey, not everybody. My kids ain't. My kids ain't sleeping over nowhere but my house. Well, we, you know, they go to that school where there's a lot of stuff going on there. I said, why? Well, we live in that town. Well, why don't you just pray and say, Lord, is this year they supposed to be in this school for this school year? Why do we just accept that we're supposed to put them in a school and let somebody train them up in whatever they want to train them up in? Listen, we pray every year. Is this the school year that Hunter is supposed to be at this school? What am I worried about? I'm not worried. I'm acknowledging him in all the ways that I have, including my kids' education and how they're going to turn out and who I allow to have influence into their life. Yielding means to give way. For many of us and for, for much of my early life, I'm, I'm 47, but early on, man, I was driven, passionate, and I was going 100 miles an hour, literally. In every direction, I had dreams, passions, goals, and nobody was going to stop me, and I was on a trajectory to fulfill my dreams. Many of you live that way. There's no room in your life for anybody to tell you something. Or say, hey, what about this? Be careful of that. Because we don't take time to yield. I was in Oklahoma. It was early 2000s, maybe even late 90s. I was on my motorcycle. If you know anything about me, I'm obsessed with motorcycles. You can blame my father for that. He brought a little motorcycle home when I was like seven years old. And we've been on them ever since. And I was literally going 100 plus miles an hour on my motorcycle. And I had a passenger on the back squeezing me in a death joke because he was freaking out and it was on one of these roads that I had already been on a hundred times and we had raced our motorcycles down this road and man we are just going 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 I mean so fast that I started to get tunnel vision right around a hundred miles an hour you get tunnel vision on a bike scary and thrilling at the same time And we're flying. I mean, we are literally flying. It felt like the bike was going to explode. 9,000, 10,000 RPMs in fifth gear. Just, I got tunnel vision. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this truck coming. And there's not time to slow down. There's not time to stop. So I immediately sat up on the bike so the wind would hit me in the chest and slow the bike down. And I locked up the rear brake and we slid sideways, literally sideways, laying rubber all the way through that intersection. And that truck just barely missed us as he came through. We pulled over. I was freaking out. He was freaking out. He said, dude, you almost killed us. Didn't you see that yield sign? I said, I never saw it. I was so focused on the white line down the middle. Don't get so focused on what you think is important and so focused on the white line that you miss the yield signs and the stop signs and the blinking yellow signs. It may be the Holy Spirit saying, hold on, hold on. This isn't the time to go that fast. Slow down. I got something for you. See, when we yield our life to the Holy Spirit, He'll direct us. He'll show us the path. He'll straighten it all out. Write this down. Learn to yield in the little things so you don't wreck the most important things. 
When you learn to yield in the day-to-day things, the little nudges, the little promptings, the still small voice, guess what? You can guarantee that you're going to live a life of success when you yield to the little. But if you bypass the little, I can tell you this, it's only a matter of time and it may take 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. It may take that time, but it will end in a dead end where you destruct. The little things are important. A couple months ago, I was doing a wedding for a, a young lady in this church, a good friend of ours, and the rehearsal, the rehearsal dinner was in um, Topfield, Massachusetts. And I had about 50 minutes to get there, and it's 45 minutes from my house. And I went out, I got dressed, I got my stuff, I got my bag, I got my notes. I'm ready to go to the wedding reception and do the, uh, the wedding rehearsal and do this thing. And I go out and my Jeep won't crank. And I'm thinking, oh, this ain't good. My truck, I have a, an old pickup truck. My truck is in the shop over the winter getting a bunch of work done. I can't take my truck. My wife is in her car. She's picking up kids in two different towns. I call her and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I'm stuck and I got 45 minutes to get to this wedding. And if I don't show up, it's going to be a disaster. I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm literally tripping out in my mind. And all of a sudden I was like, Lord, what do I do? And as clear as a bell, he said, call Uber. And I was like, you are the Lord God Almighty. He's like, Josh, you use Uber all the time. Every time we go to the airport and travel, we use Uber. It's, it's like no brainer. It was insight that I needed in a moment, Flaren, that I, that I didn't have. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I'll call Uber. I called Uber. This dude showed up. The Lord sent him. He showed up in a Tesla. I was like, all right, this is you, Lord. Because my last couple Uber rides, they were not Teslas. They were Honda Civics that looked like 16 people been living in the back seat. There was dog hair and everything. It was just... Uber pulls up and it says he's here. I grab my bag. I go out. I shut the garage door. And, and I open the door of the Uber. And he starts to talk to me. And I hear on the inside, grab your umbrella. It ain't raining. I don't need my umbrella. I start to get in the car and I hear it again. Grab your umbrella. I know long enough. I've been doing this long enough. I'm going to get my umbrella. I told the Uber guy, hello, one second. I grabbed something. I forgot something. Throw my bag in there. I run back in. I punch the code to get in our garage. I open the Jeep. My golf clubs are in the back. I unsheathed my golf umbrella, put it in, and I threw it in there. And he said, it ain't raining. I said, I know. Let's go. I'm late. And we drove all the way to Topsfield. I, five minutes out, 10 minutes out from getting there, the wedding, re, the wedding party text messaged me and said, hey, we've moved. It's going to be an hour from now. <laughs> Seriously? You're going to text me 10 minutes before I'm supposed to be there? Get out. Step out of the Uber. He drives away. I walk up to this huge mansion with a place. I ring the doorbell. Nobody answers it. And immediately the skies open and hell's fury starts pouring down. And I open my umbrella, smiling. I look like Mary Poppins out there. I stand out there. So happy to be here. You know, it was 30 minutes before my friend showed up. And I stand out there getting angry and angrier. I'm just teasing if y'all are here. Forgive me. Because they come to this church. I'm just mad. I'm just using the story as the illustration. I ain't mad. I stood there. I stood there and the Holy Spirit said, aren't you glad you listened? 
It's the little things that we obey him in day to day. That way when the big things come up like who to marry, what to invest in, what kind of house to buy, how to, how to navigate a nasty situation, a crisis. Guess what? When you learn to follow him in the little stuff. When crisis shows up, you can do what we said in that song. We just cling to the rock of ages. Lord, you helped me with the umbrella. Now you're going to help me through this. Y'all want to hear another story? I like telling stories. If you don't like stories, there's, there's plenty you can watch online. You don't have to come on anymore. I'm going to tell more stories. 2000, I moved to Shreveport, Louisiana to be a youth pastor and Philip Bussey, our student director, he was actually one of our students. And when I got there, the, the guys, the, the teenage boys were into paintball. You might know what paintball is. It's, it's a mechanical gun that you use compressed air to shoot a little ball that's filled with paint. And you, you shoot at each other. You have like these artificial wars. And they were all into it. And they go, Pastor Josh, you got to play. You got to get into it. So I bought a paintball gun. And if you know anything about me, I, I, when I'm in, I'm all in. Like, I am all in. So I bought like three or four guns. Man, I got gear. I got helmets. I got stuff. And, and because the church had resources for the student ministry, I ordered like cases and cases of paintballs. You know, they would show up with these little baggies. Like, how you going to play with 25 balls? Oh, that's all I have. I was like, I'll fix that next week. I took the youth budget and invested in pallet loads of paintballs being delivered to the church. So when Pastor Josh showed up, man, it was unlimited paint for everybody. So all the kids knew they didn't have to pay for paint. I mean, this grew over months and months, 30, 40 kids coming every Sunday. On this particular Sunday, I had to speak at church, and then I had to drive home. Drove home to my apartment. I lived above a garage in this nasty little shack in Shreveport. It was a filthy apartment. Go up the stairs, go in, change my clothes. I had all my paintball gear there. I loaded up. I grabbed my lunch, grabbed some water, and I grabbed my keys to leave, and there was a little bread tie on the counter next to my keys. You know, the twisty tie that you put on the bread. And something on the inside said, pick up that bread pie and put, bread tie and put it in your pocket. And I looked at it and I heard that and I thought, that's so stupid. <laughs> and I grabbed my stuff and I walked out and I left the door, I dropped my stuff, turned around to lock the door from the outside. And as I'm putting the key in, I heard it again, grab the bread tie, put it in your pocket. I don't need no bread tie. I go down the stairs, I pop the trunk on my car, I load all the gear, and as I'm loading the gear, I hear a little bit louder, grab the bread tie and put it in your pocket, dummy. Sometimes that's how the Lord talks to me. I ignored it. I, I started laughing. This is so stupid. Why do I need this bread tie? Why do I keep thinking of this? I couldn't get my mind off the bread tie on the counter. Open the car door. I get in. I hear it again. Bread tie. Go get it. Put it in your pocket. Not doing it. I'm not crazy. I'm not hearing voices. I put the key in the ignition, shut the door, I hear it loud. Get the bread tie, you're gonna need it. I sat there with the car on. Am I dumb? Am I crazy? Is this nuts? And I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna yield. If it's not the Holy Spirit, what's the worst thing? I got a bread tie in my pocket during paintball. Stomp up the stairs. You know how you do when you're reluctant with the Lord after he's already told you to finally like give up? Like, okay, I'll sow that seed. I'll give to the food pantry. I'm gonna go to Chipotle after lunch, but I won't. I picked up the bread tie and a peace came over me, like just put it in my pocket, forgot about it. I drove 30 minutes to the paintball field. I get there. I walk back on the field. I get my guns. I get everything loaded up. And, and I'm the referee guy that starts the game. I've got the air horn the, that tells this team and this team it's time to go. And as we're getting ready, I pull the bolt back to engage the gun. 
And as soon as I did, the cotter pin broke in half and the bolt shot out the back, the springs and everything was all over the ground. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. And everyone's like, what are you doing, pastor? We're ready to play. I said, my gun's in like five pieces. I don't know what happened. The spring shot out and the bolt's gone. And so I'm picking up all the stuff. Holy Spirit's like, hey, you got a bread tie in your pocket. I'm like, really? I pulled the bread tie out and I said this silly thing. Put the spring back in, the bolt back in, and where the cotter pin had broken, I stuck the bread tie through it, and I twisted it up, and I played paintball for the rest of the afternoon. Dumb story, not important, very important. It's the little things that he's trying to watch out for you about, the things that bring you joy, the things that bring you pleasure, the things that other people are counting on you for. When the little voice speaks, man, we listen so that when the major things happen, it's easy to understand. Hey, I could follow the bread tie, and I I could slow down on the bike. I could do all these things. I can grab the umbrella. Lord, I know we're in the middle of crisis, but I know what your voice sounds like, and I'm going to acknowledge you. What do you have to say? Right now is what we're doing in the season of fasting. We're acknowledging him, getting to know him, and asking him to speak. But fasting shouldn't be an event. It should be a lifestyle. To live a fasted lifestyle means that we live a yielded life. Listen to this. I was with Pastor Larry Stockstill, one of the greatest preachers in this nation over the last few decades. He pastored Bethany World Prayer Center out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana for 39 years. Me and Pastor Jonathan spent a few weeks with him at a time about four years ago at a place called Pastors University. And he began sharing this with us, the same message I'm sharing with you about living a fasted, yielded lifestyle. And he said, I do 21 days up front in January to set my year. He said, but it's not an event. It's my lifestyle. He said, I also do 21 days in September to kick off the fourth quarter and to finish my year strong. He said, but hear me, it's not an event. It's just part of my lifestyle. I thought, that's impressive. 21 and 21, that's a lot of fasting. He said, don't be impressed with that. He said, I also fast the first three days of every month. That's what I said. <laughs> and then he said, yeah, by the way, I fast every Saturday. He said, I've been pastoring this church for 39 years. I take from sunup to sundown every Saturday to fast, to get quiet, to know him, recognize him, and invite him into the message for Sunday. I'm like, you're a fasting fool. This is crazy. What do you eat? He said, well, I'll add to it. He said, I also fast three days before any major decision in my life. He said, stop using fasting as a thing with your church that you do as a 21-day event. Learn to live a yielded lifestyle. And whenever you feel prompted or you need to make a decision, you yield through fasting and prayer and invite him the Holy Spirit to direct your steps. I'm going to tell you right now, Steph and I have been doing this for 11 years. Our life is on a crazy awesome trajectory because we yield to Him in everything from our marriage to our giving to the things we do, the things we don't do, the places we go, the people we're around. I submit it all to Him as if He's my boss. Hey, we're getting ready to sow this seed. That all right with you? Oh, it's not enough? More? Okay, all right, we'll sow that seed. Hey, Lord, we're going we're gonna to buy this property over here. You got any problems with this? Oh, have, oh, yeah, we can do that. You know, he'll talk to you when you pause long enough. 
Listen, you'll, you pause long enough so you don't make a mistake, number one. But here's the thing. He'll also set you up for greatness. You pause long enough when you see an opportunity. You pause and say, this, you know, everybody, everybody's saying this is too good to be true. No, they're saying that, people. When you're going to make a business decision, you can't do that. That's too good to be true. That's your life savings. Or it's this and that. You've saved all the money. You're going to throw it away. On paper, it doesn't look good. And all of a sudden, on the end where the Lord says, buy it. Do it. Sign that deal. And a few weeks down the road, all of a sudden, everything comes unglued in your life. That's the greatest investment we made. How'd you find that house? How'd you find that property? Well, we just submitted it to the Holy Spirit. And he said, buy it. I'm over my time. I want to tell you one more story. You all right? Dr. Jerry Seville. Dr. Jerry Seville had this little house in, out in Texas. Bought this little farmhouse way out in the middle of nowhere. Cow fields all the way around him. Out in the middle of nowhere. Lord said, buy that property. He said, I don't need a farm. They moved their ministry there. They moved their house there. A few years later, the Lord said, I want you to start buying up the property around you. That's what you want me to do. He said, the farm next door came for sale. They went over and negotiated a price and he bought it. He said, I'm not a farmer. What do I need more land for? The Lord said, if you'll trust me, I'm going to prosper you. A few years later, the farm behind him came available. He bought that up. This went on for about 10 years. The little property here, a little property here, 25 acres here, 1,000 acres here, to where he had owned all this property all the way around, thousands and thousands of acres. And he said, I bought up all the property I could buy. Well, Lord, I submit it to you. I yield to you. And the Lord said, call Kenneth Copeland. Call Kenneth Copeland. He said, yeah, get his guys to come out and check for oil. Kenneth knows about oil. They bought a property, airstrip, and they got 12 or 17 pumps. Call Kenneth's guys. They'll come out. They came out. They tested the soil, and they said, oh, my gosh. Do you know what you have here? He's like, I got a bunch of cows and a bunch of land. Some of the richest soil we've seen. You know, they got oil, you got natural gas. All this acreage, and here's the great thing. When Kenneth pumped his in the 70s, we pumped, ver- we pumped wells vertically. We have technology now. We can pump wells horizontally. So we only got to put in a few pumps, and we can reach out to thousands and thousands of acres away, and we can suck it all in. Guess what? In one day, one moment, multi-multi-gazillionaire. Well, that's Jerry Seville. He's just a body shop guy from Fort Worth, Texas. I say, he's just a body shop guy from Fort Worth, Texas. You know him as Jerry Seville that you know right now. I remember Jerry Seville with the blue shirt and every shirt he wore said, Jerry. Paint and body guy yielded to the Holy Spirit. What about you? What about your family? What about your finances? Are you willing to yield in the season and make room? Because here's the thing. There are opportunities for the life of a believer that the world will never have access to. It's time for us to tap into the Holy Spirit. Believe Him. Oh, somebody need to catch this today. There's opportunities waiting on you. You just haven't found them yet. For those of you who believe it for houses, we can't find a house, we can't find a house, we can't find a house. Listen, it's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. Yield in the little things, he'll draw you right to it. I said he'll draw you right to it. Businessmen, businesswomen, listen to me. It's one thing to make wealth for ourselves, but there's a greater joy when we make wealth for the kingdom. These legacy lanes are not something we created. They're channels. They're 
funnels to our community and to the nation to make sure the gospel keeps going around the world. Some of us have the gift of giving and we're supposed to be a part of that. Will you yield your tithe this year? Will you yield your seed this year so we can supersede what he wants to do through us? Stand to your feet with me. Oh, thanks for letting me rant for a few minutes. I know it went long. I want to ask the team to close this service with this part of that song that we said, Lord, we make room for you. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closing, put your hands up. What area do you need to surrender? What area do you need to yield this year? Is it your marriage? I don't have to tell you. You'll know that. Is it the way you talk to your kids? Hey, against kids, is it your time with him? Is it your business? Is it your finance? Maybe it's yielding the tithe. This year would be a very strong year for you when you you yield the 10% back to him. Changed our life. Got us out of debt. Set us on a new course financially. What is it just yielding? I don't know what it is for you. We're going to sing this song one more time. As we close, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you need me to yield to in 2023?